Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. You're beginning to understand the plan of grace. Over the last two weeks, we've been thinking of grace primarily from our perspective. But now in these verses, we're going to consider salvation, not so much from our perspective, but from God's perspective. God has a plan of grace. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. When you consider all the evil deeds of mankind, you might think that a perfect God would want nothing to do with us. But God loved us and chose a different response. He made a way to rescue us from our sin by offering us grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Today on The Verdict, we're taking a closer look at this incredible plan of God's grace. Here's Pastor John Monroe. Last time we began to think of the profound subject of God's plan of grace, looking at the first 14 verses of Ephesians. We saw that the triune God is involved in our salvation in a brilliant plan of grace which God devised before the foundation of the world. In grace, God the Father chooses us. That is, the plan of grace is not initiated by us who are spiritually dead. It is initiated by God the Father. I realize there's a deep mystery here, but we acknowledge that salvation flows from God's sovereign grace. In grace, God the Father chooses us. In grace, God the Son redeems us. Let's learn more about these truths and also learn about the work of God the Holy Spirit in our salvation. I invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. In these first 14 verses of Ephesians, Paul lays the foundation of the gospel. Now Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14 is one large sentence with three parts each part ending to the praise of His glory. You see, an understanding of God's plan of grace produces an outburst of praise, a doxology. Why praise God? Let's read verse 3 through 14. Blessed, says Paul, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance 
until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What a brilliant, brilliant portion of Scripture. Why is God to be praised? God is to be praised because God the Father, verses 3 through 6, because God the Son, verses 7 through 12, and because God the Holy Spirit, verses 13 and 14, are all involved in this marvelous plan of grace through which we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now first, in verses 3 through 6, in grace, God the Father chooses us. In grace, God the Father chooses us. The plan of grace is initiated not by us, but by God the Father. Now secondly, verses 7 through 12, and you realize we're moving on very quickly, God the Son redeems us. Salvation is not only planned by God the Father, it is accomplished, it is executed, the plan is executed by God the Son. He redeems us. The Greeks and the Romans took prisoners of war who became slaves. The money paid to buy a slave, to release a slave, was called a ransom. That is called redemption. A price is paid and someone is freed. Paul is reminding us here that we need to be redeemed. You say, well, hold it, I'm not a, a slave. Oh, yes, you are. Jesus put it this way. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. All of us are slaves to sin. Now, here is the wonder of the gospel. Here is the wonder of the plan of God's grace. What you could not do for yourself, what I couldn't do for myself, that is free myself from the grip of sin. It is not going to come from myself. This is in the plan of grace, what our Lord Jesus Christ does. He does this by redeeming us. He purchases us out of the slave market of sin by forgiving, says Paul, our trespasses. And Jesus Christ, in the wonder of God's plan of grace, not only pardons us from the guilt and the shame of sin. Look back over your life and think of some of the shame and some of the guilt of the things that you've done and the people that you have hurt and the devastation that has taken place because of your choices. The wonder of the gospel, not only are we freed from the guilt and the shame of sin, we are freed from the bondage and from the captivity of sin. In grace, the Son redeems us. You see, how does he do this? How does Christ accomplish our redemption? Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. A ransom has to be paid before the captive is set free. The price to be paid for our redemption is not our good works. We don't atone for our own sins. It's not religion. It's certainly not money, giving money to the church or to charities or to the poor. We don't pay off our own sin to get our own freedom. It is the price of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
It is infinite cost. That is the ransom. So Jesus said, the Son of Man, referring to himself, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a what? A ransom for many. A ransom for many. Peter says in 1 Peter 1 that we are redeemed not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. The cost of my redemption is the blood of Jesus Christ. It is, says Paul, in him that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. My dear friend, you will struggle all of your life with sin and with your addictions and with bondage and with your pride and all of these sins that come into our lives, whatever the particular ones are in your life, it is only through the plan of grace where our Savior comes and pays the price for our freedom that we are delivered from the guilt and from the power of sin. The one who creates us now redeems us. You were created by God, and God created you not to live a life of sin, not to live a life of pride or destruction, a life of selfishness, not just on Wall Street. People say, well, there's a lot of greed there. Yes, there's a lot of greed in Wall Street, but there's a lot of greed in Main Street, and there's a lot of greed in your heart and in mine. And there's only one who can free us, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. We turned our back on Christ. We wandered away, turned our back on our Creator, and now Christ comes as our Redeemer in His grace. Not that we deserved it to free us and to change us and to transform us. And Paul is saying that all of this redemption and all of the forgiveness of our sins is what? According to the riches of His grace, which He what? Lavished upon us, lavished upon us. How beautiful. Isn't it wonderful that when Christ saves us, He doesn't give us just a little bit of grace. He doesn't do it out of His grace. He does it in accordance, says Paul, with the riches, with the wealth of His grace, and He lavishes, lavishes it upon us. He can't give you any more. All that the Father has comes to us as we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, His grace on us by redeeming us. In the plan of grace, God the Father chooses us. In the plan of grace, God the Son redeems us. Thirdly, in verses 13 and 14, in grace, God the Holy Spirit seals us, seals us. You're beginning to understand the plan of grace. It is planned by God the Father before the foundation of the world, chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. It is perfectly accomplished in our Lord Jesus Christ through His blood, providing redemption for us. Perfectly accomplished, mission accomplished. It is finished, says our Savior. Rises from the dead, the work completely done. Ah, but how does that come to me? How is it applied to the individual? That is the work of God the Holy Spirit. And Paul is telling us this in verses 13 and 14. In grace, God the Holy Spirit 
seals us. You see, God the Holy Spirit is active in our salvation. Can you account for it? There's some of you here, and for years, your back's been to God. You've really thought nothing about God, or you may have gone to church occasionally, but you've lived your own life, and then suddenly, as it were, you become concerned about your soul. And you wonder about life. And you wonder where you came from, and you wonder the purpose of life, and you wonder where you're heading, and you begin to be concerned about your sinfulness. What's the explanation? God graciously is working in your life. Two weeks ago, we learned about our desperate need for God's grace as we studied Ephesians 2. The Holy Spirit supernaturally convicts us of our sin. Supernaturally, He opens our eyes not only to see our desperate position, but opens our eyes to see and to wonder at the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the magnificence of God as He lavishes His riches of grace upon us. And our eyes then are opened to understand that Jesus Christ is the only Savior, is the only Redeemer, is the only one who can transform my life. And when we place saving faith in Jesus Christ, as I exhort you to do when we are saved by God's grace, not by our works, but by God's grace, Paul is saying here, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit not only convicts us of our sin, not only gives us new life, that is regeneration, we are born again, born into God's family, He seals us. At the very moment we hear the gospel and personally trust Jesus Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, in Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, why do we emphasize the Bible? Because it is the word of truth. It is the gospel. The power is not in my words, but in the word of God. When you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. This sealing of the Holy Spirit is not a future event. It's not a future experience. It's a present reality for all those saved by God's grace. That's part of the blessing of being blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of God because I'm saved by the grace of God. A seal is a mark of ownership, a mark of identification. It sets us apart. The seal is evidence that now I belong to God. It's God's internal stamp on me, as it were. I'm accepted by God. I am saved by His grace. I'm in Christ. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. And all of this is from God in His grace, which is really amazing. When Goody and I were newly married, we lived for about a year and a half in the Shetland Islands, the most northerly islands uh, in Scotland. You've heard of the Shetland sheepdog, Shetland ponies. Well, there's a lot of ponies, there's a lot of sheepdogs, but there's even more sheep. There are thousands of sheep in the Shetland Islands. And uh, they have these little crofts, little farms. And if you're a crofter, you perhaps have 10 acres of your own ground, but then there is a the common grazing, uh, what in Shetland is called the scaddled, coming from a Norwegian word. And so 
say there's five crofters in a certain area, and we all have a hundred sheep. Our sheep are in the common grazing. My sheep are with your sheep. They're all together. But before, as a crafter, before I ever put my sheep on the common grazing, do you know what I do? I put a brand on my sheep, a distinctive mark that it belongs to me, a sign of ownership, and the Holy Spirit seals us. Now I belong to God. It's also a mark of security. It is, says Paul here, a guarantee of our inheritance. It is a deposit, a first installment, an earnest, a down payment of what is coming. You understand that when you buy a house. You put in an offer, and the realtor says, sir, you've got to put in a deposit, an earnest, $1,000 or whatever it is. That is a guarantee that other money is coming. It is an advance payment, a guarantee that more is coming. And this is what Paul is saying. In fact, the Greek word for this word translated guarantee, or in some translations pledge, is arabon, a word used in contemporary Greek for an engagement ring. An engagement ring is wonderful, isn't it? Someone is engaged. They want us to see the ring. Why? Well, not just because it's a beautiful ring, but an engagement ring promises something in the future which is even greater. Wonderful to be engaged, if any of you are engaged, but let me tell you, there's something better than being engaged, and that is being married. That is even better. So the seal of the Holy Spirit points to something better, something fuller, something more wonderful, a reminder that I'm loved with an everlasting love. It's a reminder that my future inheritance is guaranteed. God never ever takes back the ring, as it were, and calls off the wedding. God never ever goes back on his promises. They are irrevocable because God's plan of grace is from eternity to eternity. Isn't that wonderful? And your greatest spiritual experience of over being overwhelmed by the love of God or the peace of God or the joy of God, these are just a faint foretaste. The initial enjoyment of what yet awaits us for all of eternity as the people of God. This ceiling which begins at the day of our conversion ends in our ultimate redemption, our glorification. So Paul says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day, that's the day yet future, the day of redemption, that is your glorification. Leon Morris writes, it's a guarantee that all of God's promises will be fulfilled in the believer. Isn't that wonderful? Someone says, well, you know, if I receive Christ, I I don't know if I can keep it up. I, I don't know if I could make it. Of course, you can't keep it up by yourself. That's why you need a divine power. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to indwell you, to empower you, and to seal you. This is the divine guarantee of our future. In grace, God, the Holy Spirit, seals us. We will possess the future eternal inheritance, and it is all of grace, which is really amazing. Here is the triune God's plan of salvation then. God chooses us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He predestines us for adoption as sons. Christ redeems us. Christ forgives us. The Holy Spirit seals us and guarantees our future inheritance. And all of this 
is in God's plan of grace, which is really amazing. What's your response this morning? If you're saved by the grace of God, surely you rejoice in praise and wonder, blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have a secure future. You have a brilliant future. Don't worry about the present economic situation. Don't worry about the future. God has a plan for your life. Past, he's chosen you. Present, he's at work in you. Future, he has guaranteed your future inheritance. And unlike Wall Street, it is 100% certain. 100% certain. The triune God has a plan for your life. A plan which is from eternity to eternity, includes today and tomorrow. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 10. Paul says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. No, we don't work for our salvation, but God is at work in and through us, has prepared a plan for your life and mine. Prepared beforehand, a plan for my life. And he will guide me, and he will guide you in that path of righteousness for his name's sake. That plan often takes, at least in my life, some unusual twists and bends and unexpected situations. But I know that this God who chose me before the foundation of the world, this Christ who redeems me, this Holy Spirit who seals me, seeks my best. And he has a plan and a purpose for my life and for all those saved by his grace that we would live that life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. What a plan of grace. Don't worry. Don't fret. But trust God who has a wonderful plan for your life. And if you've never been saved by God's grace, realize that God has done everything. It's all of grace, God's unconditional love to you. Today, will you receive that gift and open your heart and life to the Savior who comes to redeem you and to save you and to transform you and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and the end of a message titled, The Plan of Grace. If you missed any part of this lesson or you'd like to share it with a friend, just go to our website at theverdict.org. On our website, you'll also see that we're offering a special booklet from John titled Eternal Security, Finding Certainty in a Chaotic World. Learn a bit about John's personal testimony as he takes on the very real and personal questions that people have about salvation. Request your free copy of this booklet today by visiting our website at theverdict.org. And before we close today's program, we invite you to join us in what God is doing through these daily biblical messages by supporting us with a financial gift of any amount. Your generous contributions will help keep these gospel messages on the air in your local community and expand them to new listeners. You can make a special year-end donation today by going online to theverdict.org. You can also give over the phone by dialing us at 833-551-2231. Or send a donation in the mail to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. And by the way, if you like podcasts, be sure to subscribe to The Verdict Podcast 
and get each of these daily lessons along with exclusive access to John's topical weekly segment called Avizandum. You'll find us on most podcast apps by searching for The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? Don't you marvel at the plan of salvation by the triune God? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all involved in this plan of God's grace, which is truly amazing. We could never have devised such a plan, which gives God all of the glory. He planned it. He convicts us and opens our eyes to see the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Jesus. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Today I say to you, hear and believe. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.